Hello, dear friend, Jen here. Today, I'm pulling back the curtain on something profoundly personal, and I wanted to let you in on it. Picture a kit, a very special curation that has tools potent enough to turn your dreams into reality. Now, imagine if these tools weren't just random selections, but they were the very tools that I personally used and leaned on to manifest my deepest desires. Yes, I have pulled together all of the tools that I use to manifest and create, and I put them together and I call it the Creation Kit. And I'm so excited to share the Creation Kit with you. Inside the Creation Kit, you're going to get my Wonder Walks Spotify playlist so you can take Wonder Walks just like me with the exact same sounds and music in the background. The Celebration Visualization Meditation that I use daily in order to get me super clear on the feelings that I want to manifest and help me tap into those feelings on a daily basis. You're going to get journal prompts that you can use every single day, affirmations that have changed my life. They've been my daily mantras and a customizable gratitude list that you can use every morning to help you tap into gratitude, especially for things that haven't necessarily happened. So you can start to manifest them into your life. And last but not least, I'm going to give you a special ChatGPT prompt that actually helps you with manifesting and creating whatever it is that you want. Curious? Intrigued? Do you want the creation kit? Well, you are in luck because it's yours for free. All you have to do is pre-order my upcoming book, Be Seen, and enter your order confirmation number into beseenabook.com and you will get my creation kit in your inbox for free. I don't know what you're waiting for, but go ahead, pre-order Be Seen and go grab your creation kit and start your manifestation journey today. You'll be happy you did. Now, on to the podcast. What if today was the day that you dared yourself to do what you've always wanted? Welcome to the I Dare You podcast. I'm your host, Jen Gottlieb. And together, we're going to step outside of our comfort zones and into our best lives one dare at a time. So come on, I dare you to dive right on in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the I Dare You podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Many of you know, some of you don't, that I do get ready with me every single morning, Monday through Friday. And what that is, is an Instagram live where I answer all of your questions live on Instagram while I put my makeup on. I've gotten lots of DMs from you guys that are on the Pacific coast saying, oh my gosh, it's too early for me. I miss it every time. I'm so bummed. Where are the recordings? And we don't save the recordings. So Per request, what we're going to do is take some of the best questions and answers from Get Ready With Me's and put them here on the podcast. So you can hear me answer questions about manifestation, marketing, mindset. We're going to pick all the most powerful questions and answers and put them here on the I Dare You podcast for you. So without further ado, here is a sneak peek of a Get Ready With Me. This is really all about you and all about how we can collectively come together to show up as the best versions of ourselves each day. I'm really passionate about this because it has become so much more than just about me. This is not even about me anymore. This is so much about the community that's created here because you're always one connection away from something really cool happening, from a great opportunity, from a great friendship, from a great idea, uh, from an amazing conversation that lights you up and, and puts you on a trajectory of a different direction. Connections 
are what make things happen because opportunities come from people. Experiences all start with people having the experiences together. And I believe so much in connecting with your tribe, with people that will lift you up, inspire you, hold you accountable, support you. Life is not as fun when you don't have people around you that are that are celebrating the shit out of you. And that's what I want for you guys all. I want you all to have that. I have a book about being seen, but the whole third part of the book is about how to make relationships and connections with people so that you can be seen. I will tell you one thing. Many of you found me through different podcasts that I was on. And I would have only been able to get those podcasts if I made relationships with people and I had friends with people and I became friends with people. And and the way that I did that is all in the book, the way that I created those relationships, the strategies that I used to build relationships. And it's not a salesy way to do it. It's not a yucky way that feels like you're asking for things. The key to building authentic, real, win-win, long-term, long-lasting, powerful relationships is not about figuring out what you can get from people. It's all about figuring out how you can help others. H-O-P-E. It's all about figuring out how you can just help someone, help one person every day. Because if you can just be the most interested person, not interesting, you heard what I said, interested, interested in how you can help others, curious in how you can provide value, interested in how can I support this person that I want to build a relationship with? What do they need help with right now? And how can I be of service to them? If you focus on giving, I fully believe in the law of reciprocity. You might not get immediately from that person that you just gave to, but I believe in the law of attraction, in the law of reciprocity, in the law of karma. I don't know if karma is a law, but you will get it back in some way, shape, or form. When you are a given person, that gift comes back to you eventually. So don't go into the relationship building process or the give like it's supposed to be, like it's super transactional, like I'm going to give to you so you can give to me. If you do that, you're doing it wrong and it won't work. You need to go in to build relationships with truly just wanting to give, just wanting to serve. Because guess what? The best way to feel awesome is to give to somebody else and make somebody else feel great. There is no better way to get out of your own head and out of your own shit and out of your own ego than to go and help somebody else or make somebody else feel good. It's the best. How good do you feel when you do something kind for somebody else and they're so grateful? It's the best feeling ever. So if you could, if everyone just focused on helping other people and figuring out what they can do for others, we would all get more of what we wanted because when you help someone, you create that law of reciprocity. And then they immediately are like, oh, wow, that was so kind. What can I do for you? Now that doesn't happen in all situations, in all scenarios. Believe me, I've been in scenarios where I've helped somebody a lot and they never helped me again, but I will tell you, or they never helped me or they never offered to give that reciprocity back. And that sucks. And that happens. And that's okay because that's life. But I find that the more that I give and the more I spend time in a season of giving and just thinking about how I can help others, the more my life expands, the more opportunities come to me, the more I grow, the better I feel, the more fun my life is. The secret is really all about how can you figure out how you can provide value to other people? That's it. And then, so let's how, how does this tie into being seen? Leveraging other people's audiences is a wonderful way to be visible. So think about somebody in your space that maybe already has built the audience that you want to get in front of. Well, a really great hack or one of the easiest ways to start to build your brand is from getting featured on other people's audiences, whether that's getting featured on their podcasts or doing an Instagram live collab with them or having them email about you or doing a training or speaking on their stage. That's the fastest way to build your brand is to leverage somebody else's audience and get invited to be presented by that person in front of their audience. And the best way to do that, the only way to do that is to build real relationships with those people. 
And the key to building those relationships is not randomly DMing people and asking them if you can be on their podcast. No, no, no. It is not randomly DMing people and asking them if you can pick their brain. Do not do that. It is not asking random people if you can take them to lunch. It is not asking random people for things. Or, And when I say random people, maybe somebody that you haven't built a relationship with yet. The whole third part of the book focuses on how you can build those relationships authentically and with a value-based mindset. So thinking about, all right, this is a long game thing. I know that this is going to take time and patience to build this relationship and I'm in it for the long game. So I'm going to consistently figure out how I can help this person for a long time. And I'm going to consistently show up for them. And I'm going to figure out what they need help with most by doing my own research. And I'm going to support that person. Maybe that's buying their book and writing a review. Maybe it's reviewing their podcast and and sending them a screenshot that you reviewed it. Maybe it's just commenting on their content. Maybe it's sharing their content. Maybe it's connecting them with somebody else that you think could be a really powerful connection for them, that you have that connection. Maybe, you know, what is it? What's something that you can do? Because here's the cool thing about life. Everybody needs help with something, no matter what level you're at. Everybody needs help with something. Think about even like the biggest celebrities in the world. What do they need help with? Like, let's say, A big celebrity has a new movie coming out. They need help promoting their movie. They need more people to go see that movie. So, I mean, there is something that you can do to provide value. Boom. You can just go see the movie. You can promote the movie. You can write an amazing review about the movie. Like what connections do you have that you could, I'm not saying you're going to directly help that celebrity and that celebrity is going to find you, but I'm just saying that every single person at any level of success needs help with something. And it's your job to figure out how you can provide value to somebody when they need the help the most. And that's how you stand out. And that's how you build really powerful, really authentic win-win relationships that last forever. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by maintaining so many authentically authentic relationships? (laughs) Uh, So many authentically authentic relationships. That's hilarious. I, I don't feel overwhelmed because I don't have so many relationships. I actually... Uh, Those of you who read the book, you know that I'm an introvert. And that means for me what an introvert means. And and people, introversion and extroversion means something different for different people. But uh, I don't go out a lot. I don't. I I am very, I love staying home. I get my energy from being by myself and my dogs. And I love speaking on stages. I love connection. I love what happens with relationships. As we just talked about for the last five minutes, opportunities come from people. I love deep one-on-one connection and relation. I love it but I don't love going out and like networking and making a shit ton of friends. So I don't have a lot of relationships, but the ones that I do have are very close and tight to me. And so I don't focus on quantity. I focus on quality and I get really dialed in. I'm like, what is it that I'm working on right now? Who do I want to connect with? What type of people do I want in my life? Do I have space for more people in my life? And, and I focus in on really just deepening those those relationships that I have really, really close to me. I think that it's always the concept of first this, then that. And I want to share this with you because this little phrase has really helped me with overwhelm in a really big way. So I have to share with you where it came from. Uh, Before I go to sleep, I often listen to a podcast called Nothing Much Happens. And it's a bedtime story podcast. It's this woman who reads these beautiful bedtime stories that she wrote. And they're very just peaceful and cozy and nothing much happens in these stories. But just enough that you're interested enough that you don't think about whatever it is that your brain is racing on. And one of the things that she always repeats in her, in her podcast or in these bedtime stories is this phrase that goes like this, first this, then that. 
And I love that so much because I can find myself getting super overwhelmed with things if I'm thinking about all the relationships I want to build, all the business ideas that I have, all the things on the calendar for the year. I will be like, oh my God, there's too much. I'm too overwhelmed. I can't do it all. But when I just dial in and I say first this, then that. So like I had a conversation with a friend this morning. First this. It was just one conversation with one friend, one connection. Done. Then that. Then I can move on to the next relationship. I can move on to the next text that I'm going to send somebody. Or I can move on to the next thing that I'm doing. First this, then that. And it's really all about being in the present moment. But we forget that. And we get all wrapped up with all the shit that's going on next week, the week after, the end of the day. And then we think I can't possibly do all of it. It's too much. Of course it's too much if you think about it that way. But if you think about, all right, first this. I'm just going to do this right now. This thing is all I'm going to do. And then when you move on from that thing, then you go to the next thing. And if you live, I find, for this is for me, if I focus on first this, then that, and I move through my day that way, everything gets done magically. And I'm not, and nothing bad happens like when I'm thinking about all the things and all of the overwhelm that comes with thinking about finishing everything. All of that stuff that I fear never ends up happening when I just focus on first this, then that. And that's how I manage my relationships. Okay. Any advice on difficult conversations, especially making the transition from nice and friendly to serious? Difficult conversations. I've really had to learn a lot about that this year, especially when you step into like a leadership role of a company or even a leadership role in your family. And I think like leadership can be just a leadership, a leader in your life. I think it's an unbelievably empowering skill set to have, or a very powerful skill set to have, to know how to have difficult conversations, to know how to say the hard thing. And it's one of the most powerful ingredients of success. I read Gary Vaynerchuk's book, 12 and a half. It's like 12 and a half ingredients for success. One of them is kind candor and being able to have those difficult conversations, being able to just say it like it is in a really kind and compassionate way. When it comes to having difficult conversations, I think what we need to remember is, and I'm not an expert in this, so I'm just going to give you my, my personal experience with this. And like, that's what I'll always do for you guys. Like how I will walk into a difficult conversation. I always like to be really candorous and come from and really understand that other person's point of view. So before I have that conversation, I put myself in that person's shoes. This is what I do. Again, I don't know if this is advice that you want to take, but this is again, only my personal experience with this. The only reason that I know how to do this now or that I'm really intentional about doing it now is because I did it wrong for a very long time. I never want to go into a difficult conversation angry or frustrated because then uh, it will not go over well. But if I can take a deep breath and I can put myself in the shoes of the other person and I can start to feel kind of compassion, not kind of, really try to feel compassion. It's hard sometimes, especially when you're upset or you're pissed off, but really coming from the other person's point of view. And then in a business perspective, I always like to start the conversation with something positive leaning into the thing that somebody did right. Or even if it's just like, I'm really grateful that we're having this difficult conversation right now. That's really big of us because I know that this isn't easy. Boom. That starts it on a high. It starts with a compliment. It starts with something good. And then you can go in. So it starts with the kind part of being candorous. So putting yourself in the other person's position for me always works like, okay, thinking about how this person must, must be feeling right now on their end with this whole situation. They must be just as frustrated as me. They must They must be just as scared as I am to have this difficult conversation. But I know that on the other side of this conversation will, will, will come growth. So I always ask myself too, is it worth it to have this conversation? Because if I really love someone and care about someone, I know that I have to have that difficult conversation. I have to be able to sit in that discomfort in order to get to the other side, which is growth in that relationship. I'll always start on a high note 
I'm really proud of us for having this hard conversation. This is not easy. This is hard. This sucks. It's hard, but I'm really proud of us. And thank you so much for hearing me out. Thank you for listening to me. I know that it's not easy. And I always try to really have compassion and empathy for the person that I'm talking to, but then be really honest with my feelings. And that is not easy. Like there's no real hack to this other than being able to understand that the more you are willing to be uncomfortable and be willing to experience those uncomfortable moments, like having that hard conversation and saying the thing that's uncomfortable and saying the thing that's scary and saying the thing that you're afraid is going to hurt someone's feelings. Maybe if you, if you share your truth, like it's not going to, it's you saying something that uh, causes you to feel that temporary discomfort is probably always going to lead to permanent growth but it's temporary discomfort that you need to be able to withstand in order to get there. And that's like, that's what discipline is. That's why discipline equals freedom. That's why I always talk about the concept of time never stopping and this too shall pass. And the more we can practice being able to sit in that discomfort and feel the anxiety or feel the awkwardness or feel the um, uncomfortableness of having that conversation, the faster we're going to get to the outcome that we desire. And you know what? Maybe we won't get to the outcome that we desire. Maybe we'll get to an outcome that's shitty. Maybe you break up with that friend. Maybe that person quits your company. Maybe you have to fire that person. Maybe you don't talk to that person ever again. But at least you have that experience of having that difficult conversation, being proud of yourself for how you came to it instead of being reactive and instead of being like pissed off and instead of uh, letting your emotions get to you and being angry, you came at it very with a kind, candorous attitude and you shared how you felt and you were able to withstand the discomfort of sharing how you felt. And if that person doesn't receive it that way, then at least you did everything in your power to show up in a way that made you feel proud at the end. And that's all you can really do. In my experience, that's, that's what's been, that's what's helped me to remember, like, no matter what, I'm going to end up in my bed tonight. If I know that I have a difficult conversation that I need to have, I think about, okay, this difficult conversation is probably going to last five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour. In the grand scheme of my life, no matter what, I will end up in my bed. No matter what, I will. The, the day will end. It will pass. The discomfort that I feel in the middle of that conversation, it's going to be, it's going to be over. So whether I don't have the conversation or I do, or whether I show up in a way that makes me proud or I don't, either way, it's going to pass. Either way, I'm going to get onto the other side of that. How do I want to feel when I get to the other side? Do I want to be proud of myself? For the way that I conducted myself during that conversation? Do I want to be proud of myself for sharing my feelings openly and, can and with kind candor? Or do I want to feel like, man, I shit the bed with that conversation. I really sucked. <laughs> or wake up the next day still feeling like I really need to talk to this person and I'm still too afraid and I still can't do it. And again, like there's so much nuance to this. So this is just from my experience. I definitely always look to my therapist to help me have difficult conversations with people. Uh, I, I often look to my friends for support on this. I'm not an expert in this in this space, but that is what's been helping me have really difficult conversations. And I find that the more comfortable I am having uncomfortable conversations, the more that I grow as a human. And they don't always work out the way that I want them to. That's for sure. But I'm always proud of myself after I've done the thing that's really difficult for me to do. And it's difficult for me to tell people how I feel. Uh, especially in a kind, candorous way and, and in a way that makes me feel good on the other side. It sucks. It's never fun. But we can we can think about it. We can be more intentional. We can think about being more empathetic and more compassionate about what that person must be feeling as well. We can come into it with a positive at the top. Like, I'm really proud of us for having this conversation. I know that this isn't easy. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for taking the time. Right? We can come at it as the bigger person and we can be proud of ourselves on the other side. We can't necessarily control how that person's going to react. Actually, we definitely can't but we can control how we show up. 
And, um, and that's, that's an empowering thing to me. It's always really helpful to talk about the elephant in the room. It's never fun. You never want to go there. No one wants to go there. That's why one of my steps in networking, becoming a networking ninja in the chapter of connection in my book is all about announcing the elephant in the room. That's what it's about. If you're uncomfortable and, and you know that everybody's uncomfortable and nobody's saying why anybody's uncomfortable, it's always a good idea to just be like, here's what's happening right now that everybody knows it's happening and nobody's saying it. It frees it. It gives it the freedom to breathe. Oh, okay. You're feeling that way too. Oh my gosh. All right. You can connect. Again, Brene Brown's work is all around vulnerability, connecting people. When you're vulnerable enough to share what's really going on, often it's the thing that creates the most connection. So if, if there's some awkwardness between you and somebody, that person probably feels the awkwardness too. And if nobody's talking about it and nobody's saying it, it's just consistently keeping you disconnected. The second that someone can say like, oh, listen, I know that there's something going on. There's some serious awkwardness. Can we just announce the elephant in the room and what's weird? Can we just talk it out? It often frees the anxiety. I'm already feeling, there's nothing even happening right now. And I'm already feeling less anxious for my imaginary person that I'm talking about right now. <laughs> How hard is it to write a book? I want to, but I don't know where to start. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing in the world. Otherwise, everybody would write a everybody that wanted to write a book would write a book. You really need to ask yourself when you start to write your book, why do you want to write your book? And when, when it comes to starting, I always say, you know, my favorite quote that's tattooed on my husband's arm, it's a Stephen Pressfield quote. It's start before you're ready, don't prepare, begin. And with my book writing process, when you read the introduction, you're going to hear the story of really like how I took action immediately to start writing this book the moment that I got the idea. And I find that with writing, it really is a massive, better done than perfect act. Like you have to just, for me at least, my writing process, it, it happened very fast and I gained a lot of momentum really quickly. And I, and I, the writing process wasn't that difficult for me because of a couple of things. Number one, I just started and didn't care if it was messy or bad. So I wrote a bunch of really shitty first drafts. I, bunch, I wrote a bunch of really shitty first outlines. It had a different title. I just started writing and the act of starting even if it's not good and even if nobody sees whatever it is that you're writing is something it is the process to gaining momentum and figuring out where you're going with your writing. So, I think the thing that holds a lot of people back with writing is they want every single word that they put down on that first draft to be absolutely perfect or they want their outline or their proposal to be perfect the moment that it comes out of their brain and onto the paper. And I have to tell you that with this book, the whole original version of the book, like the whole idea is not to be seen. It's not the idea that it turned into. It morphed into that from taking really inspired, fast action. Like I just started and I allowed myself to write crap on paper and I allowed it to just flow out of me. It's kind of like when you're opening a faucet that hasn't been opened in a long time and like the gunk comes out first and then you need to get all the gunk out until you can get the flow of the water that's clear. That's what my brain was for this book. I had the idea. I knew I needed to start being seen on another level. I knew I needed to write a book. I just felt all of the sudden, unbelievably inspired. You'll read the introduction. You'll read that um, actually, ironically, even though I don't ever see psychics or uh, I'm actually kind of afraid of psychics, but I, I accidentally walked into a psychic and they told me about being seen. And I, you'll, you'll read the introduction. It's actually quite funny. <laughs> and I woke up the, in the morning and I was like, I absolutely have to write a book because it's going to force me to be seen on, an, on a level that I'd never been seen on before. The second that I made that decision, I started. I opened up a notebook and I took pen to paper with my hand and I wrote a really, really, really shitty introduction to a book that is not the introduction to the book that you will read uh, today when you buy this book. But that act of just starting and like basically getting the crap out of the faucet, unclogging the faucet, just writing 
started to give me ideas and it started to give me momentum and started to get me excited. And momentum and motivation is not built from sitting around and thinking about it and waiting for the motivation to hit you. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. The way that motivation is created is by taking action and getting that win, getting like a dopamine hit. So the act of me writing out the introduction and the outline in my journal the morning that I had the idea really was the thing that kickstarted my motivation that was like, okay, I really want to do this now. Even though this isn't perfect, I don't know if this idea is fully flushed out. Now I've got like this this momentum. I feel really good about myself. I wrote this whole intro. Let's see where this goes. And so I would tell you to just start and write, um, write, a, write really crappy first drafts. Just start writing. Start free writing and allow yourself to be imperfect. Allow it to not be what it's going to turn into. And as you start to gain momentum and you start fleshing it out and you start getting the gunk out of the faucet, all the really great ideas are going to start to come out. But you don't get the great ideas until the gunk comes out first. So you have to get that shitty stuff out of you onto the paper and just get started to gain the momentum. And then you're going to be motivated and excited about it. And then you're going to want to keep on writing. And for me, the reason that I never got writer's block, this is really important, is because I did what I teach in the book. And in the book, we teach about hope, H-O-P-E, which stands for help one person every day. And I use hope every day of my life. Like I think about the one person that I'm helping when I'm creating content, when I'm doing my Instagram live, when I'm writing copy, when I'm writing my book, when I'm creating video, I think about the one person on the other side of the phone or the one person that I'm writing the book for. So every time I sat down to write my book, I would envision the person that I was writing the book for. And I would just think about having a conversation with her. And I would just talk to her. And, and often I would talk into an audio recorder and I would say what I would say to my reader if we were just having a conversation. Now, when you read Be Seen, you will read it and you'll be like, oh yeah, duh, Jen was just talking to me because here's the thing. We might get writer's block, but we don't ever get talker's block. If somebody that you really cared about came and asked you to help them with something that you were an expert at, you wouldn't not know what to say if you sat down with them to lunch and you were just giving them advice. You wouldn't forget the words. You wouldn't get writer's block or talker's block. You wouldn't be like, oh, let me think about this for a while. You would just talk and you would just help them. And whatever came out of your mouth would probably be really damn awesome if you're an expert in that space. And if not, either way, it just comes from your heart of you trying to help someone. And it'll be a real, and it, it's always interesting when you're having a conversation with someone. So my strategy for writing this book was very easy. I did a lot of talking to my reader and envisioning them reading it and envisioning having them having a conversation with them. And I allowed it to just be my conversational voice and you'll read it that way. Many of you who are reading it are telling me like, I feel like you're talking to me. Like I hear your voice in my head because it it is very conversational and it can be that. And for me, like I'm not really a writer, but I am a speaker. So that's what made writing very, very easy for me to envision just helping someone and talking to them. Like we were out at dinner or at lunch or at a coffee shop. We were at different places, different times I was writing and envisioning telling them the story, envisioning that person sitting there with me and just opening my mouth and talking to them. Maybe they asked me a question about a certain time in my life or a certain strategy that I'm teaching in the book. And I just talked to them. And if you do that and you allow your first draft to be completely imperfect and no one trusts that it's not going to be that great. But when you go back in the second time, you edit it and you judge it. Uh, I talk, I, I call it for me, it was like decorating the house. So I would build the house kind of not that well, like dump my ideas onto the paper, dump my ideas. Like it's messy. It's not that good. And then I go back in and I decorate the house and I fine tune the house and I add in the furniture and I paint the walls and I, I make it better. And uh, that was my process for writing. And it it felt hard sometimes when I wasn't in that mindset of hope. 
I'll be honest with you. If I couldn't visualize my person that I was writing the book for, it would be hard for me to write. And I would have to put it down. I'd have to put it away. I'd have to go take a walk or go do something else and come back to it another time when I could really visualize my reader and sit down and have a conversation with them. Uh, But you know what? There's so many different writing strategies and I'm not um, an expert writer. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. And that's why I, I share with you that because you do not have to be, I don't believe at least, the most fantastic writer to tell wonderful stories. You don't. Uh, and you don't have to be the most fantastic writer to deliver a really wonderful book that can help people. You do have to know how to communicate. And I believe that all of us can tell stories if you were sitting across from a friend and they were asking you a question. I bet you any of you would be able to have a fantastic conversation. So it's really all about getting into that mindset of thinking about the person you're talking to. And I always do this with any kind of content. Whenever you get stuck or you don't know what to create or you get nervous in front of the camera or you don't know what to say when you're creating your reels or your blogs or your captions, think about the person that you're helping on the other side. Really get clear and dialed in on who that person is. In our AI challenge, we talk about how to get clear in your dream client avatar and have a conversation with them. Just talk to them and tell them what you would tell someone that person, if they were sitting across from you and they asked you that question, how would you say it? And that was how I wrote this book. One word at a time, one story at a time, one fake lunch with my with my reader at a time. And, uh, and I hope that you guys really enjoy the fact that I wrote it that way. I, I wanted it to be really digestible and really easy to wrap your head around and really just feel like you're having a conversation. So reading it didn't feel like a project and it didn't feel really difficult to understand. It just feels fun. Like you're having a fun conversation and you're hearing a lot of really cool stories and you're also getting really amazing information that you can immediately implement. That was really important to me too when I was writing my book. I did this on purpose because kind of selfishly, because I know that when I read books, I really like to have a recap at the end. So if for some reason I need to skip something or I don't know, I need to revisit or I want to just get a lay of the land of what that chapter is going to teach me. I skipped to the end of the chapter and here's just like a really nice recap. And there's a quick win that you can do at the end of every chapter, which is an actionable thing for you to do that will get you great results about from what you learned in that first chapter. So a quick win, put it on a post-it, something that you can put on a post-it and hang up in your house. And then the mic drop moments, which are all like the, the key takeaways from the chapter. And I wanted to make sure you guys had that so that this book is like the easiest read you'll ever have in your life. Super easy, super digestible, and really, really fun. And something that you can just dive into without really having to like be in a mindset of learning. You can just enjoy it. You can enjoy it and then learn at the same time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the I Dare You podcast. I'm so grateful you chose to spend this time with me, but I'm even more grateful for your future self that you are building one dare at a time. So my first dare for you is to subscribe to the show and then share it with a friend who you think needs to step a little bit more outside their comfort zone and into their best lives. They'll thank you for it. I'll see you next time on the I Dare You podcast.